Praise the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 19. One of the great mysteries of Scripture is that the Creator God, the one who is omnipotent, the one who knows everything, the one who's all-powerful, the one who is always there, is actually seeking anything at all, is actually looking for something. I think it's amazing, you know, when, when we look at the grand scheme of things, like the psalmist David wrote, what is man that you are mindful of him? And yet, when you look in the scripture, you find that there are places all over scripture where God is looking for something. God is looking for something. What is God looking for? And that today is the title of my message. What is God looking for? Luke chapter 19, we're going to see the first thing. There are four things today that hopefully will both encourage you and challenge you that we find in Scripture that God is looking for. But the first thing that God is looking for is the lost. God is looking for those who are lost. The Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus came into the world not so that we could build large churches or churches all over the place and somehow slap a label on it. Jesus did not come into the world so that we could have great mega ministries. Jesus did not come into the world so somehow you could have some sort of a mental agreement with the fact that there is a God and that God is out there somewhere and maybe, just maybe, he might be interested in you. But the Bible says very specifically that Jesus came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole purpose for him coming, folks, was not even so that we could come here on this particular Sunday morning and enjoy a wonderful time of worship together and sit around for a few moments, listen to a sermon, and then go home. That's not why he came. He came so that if you were bound in sin, so that if you today find yourself in the middle of a sinful situation that you would like to get out of, he came to rescue you. He came to rescue those that you know that you work with on a regular basis, that you see on a daily basis. He came to rip them out of sin and to give them hope and to give them life and to give them meaning. Folks, brothers and sisters, we need to understand the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth was to rescue those who are perishing. I realize today that you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, you're preaching to the choir. 
We realize today that, you know, I understand that probably, possibly in this room, there might be all who profess to know Christ as Savior. And yet I've got to believe that maybe in this building today, there are some who still have not yet taken that step of faith and said, I need Jesus as my Savior. I've got to believe that maybe in this building there might be a young person or even an older person who is yet to come to the place where say, you will say, honestly, in your heart, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. In a church this size, I believe there might be one who would say, I am lost and without hope without Christ. So you need to know that God came looking for you. The Bible tells us in in Genesis chapter 3, shortly after Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and they disobeyed God. The Bible says that they hid themselves. They hid themselves. They knew they had violated the one thing that God told them not to do. God said, you can have anything in this garden except this one thing. And it was that one thing that they were tempted to take, and they did. And the Bible says that they hid themselves in the most wonderful act of mercy, brothers and sisters. You need to recognize this. The most wonderful act of mercy is that which is found in Genesis chapter 3, when the Bible says God came down. God could have said to Adam and Eve, enough, there's only two of you, out with you. But he didn't. He came down looking for them. The Bible lets us know that he called out to Adam. Adam, where are you? Where are you? You need to know today if you're lost, if you're without Christ, if you have never come to the place where you say, I need Jesus, then you need to know that God is looking for you today. He is seeking you. He is going after you. And he has taken every possible step that he could possibly take in this world to be able to let you know that he is looking for you, that he's got a plan for you, that you don't have to walk through life alone But instead, you can find somebody who will always be with you and who will deliver you from sin. He is looking for you. It's the whole reason why he came. There are people in the world who don't know they're lost. There are people today who are walking through life and they feel, they sense they're lost, but they're not fully aware of it. They don't fully comprehend it. They just think, well, I've got to go to another party. I've got to go and hang out with more friends. I've got to go and do whatever it is that I want to do. And that's going to satisfy me. And the question that I have is, how come you're still going after those things? You don't know that what you need is Jesus today. What you need is Christ You say, well, I go after those things because that's what everybody else does. Yes, and they don't know they're lost too. There are people who are on their way to hell today and they don't know it, brothers and sisters. The Bible lets us know this in Psalm 102, verses 19 and 20. You don't need to turn there. Just listen to what it says. It says, the Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners. And release those condemned to death. 
Those who find that they are in bondage to sin sometimes don't even realize that they are in bondage to sin. They don't even know that they are bound by something from which they need deliverance. And today you say, well, what role can I play as a Christian in that? You can play a major role if you will stand and say, I'm going to be a witness for Christ. Now I'm getting ahead of myself now because that's something else that God is looking for. But listen, if you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ. You say, well, I know about him. That's enough. No, it's not. It's not enough for us to just come to church and have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of religion in our lives. It's not enough for us to just come and say, well, you know what? I'm going to give half of myself to God. The rest of me is for me. The rest of me is to do what I want to do in life. No, I'm here to let you know today that he died for you, the whole you. All of you. He doesn't want half of you. He wants all of you. You say, well, but I, if I give my, all of myself to him, what's going to happen? Am I gonna, I'm not going to have any more fun. You know, I look around the room this morning. I see everybody, pretty much everybody's got a somber face on right now. Why do I want that? Come on, work with me here, folks. I know some of you are hungry and you're thinking, when is he going to be done so I can go home? See, the world is looking at the, the world looks at the church and, and it measures its desire for things that are real for, for Christianity by what is often lived out in our daily lives. The question is, are we seeking after those who need to know Christ the same way God is? Because you know what? In the end, God wants to use us to be able to bring about a mighty salvation in people's lives. There are weeks that we pray. Tuesday nights we come together, we pray. We pray for those who are bound by sin. We pray for those who are lost. And yet the question that I want to present for every one of us who come together on Tuesday night and pray for the lost, what are we doing about it? Let me move on. Because that leads me into this. Something else that God is looking for. God is looking for people to represent him. You see, God has chosen to use you and me as his mouthpiece. God's not going to ring out of heaven in an audible voice to all of the sinners driving up and down the street today on Devon Avenue or walking by this building or living next door in the apartments next to us. He's not going to shout out of heaven in a thunderous voice saying, you're a sinner, get saved. You need Jesus. He's not going to do that. He's looking for ambassadors. He's looking for representatives. You see, this causes us to realize that we have to go beyond the point of always feeling like we need to be fed to the point where now we can give out. What did Jesus say to his disciples when they brought a little boy? They said, Jesus asked, asked them, said, what do, we, what do you guys have to be able to give this large crowd to eat? Well, Jesus, all we have is, you know, a few small fish and a, a, a few loaves of bread. That's all we have to give. Here's a little boy with a sack lunch. Jesus, the Bible says, at one point says, you give them something to eat. And you know what happened? They looked around and they saw they didn't have enough. And they said, we don't have enough to give them. And Jesus said, come on, bring what you have to me. It's very important that we go to him first. 
To be able to give out, we've got to get with him. We've got to be with him. But then he has a plan for us after we have been with him to be able to give out. And the Bible says that he blessed it and he broke it and then he gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave to the people. You see, what it is that you bring to him, he will bless it, he will break it, and he will be able to help you to distribute it. But listen, unless we are available, he cannot use us. And most of us think, well, you know, going to church is enough. No, if this church is going to grow, we got to be available. And I'm not just talking about when it comes time for a cleaning and when it comes time for an outreach. Look, your life ought to be an outreach. My life ought to be an outreach to the world. If we're thinking that somehow it's going to be this magical meeting that's going to make things happen, no, it's going to be, are you and I available to God on a daily basis for the people that we pray for on Tuesday nights when we come together in the building and we cry out for their souls and yet we say nothing to their souls? What's it going to take? Here's what it's going to take. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. One of the most wonderful and powerful passages in the Bible. One of the ones that probably most of us know about in Isaiah chapter 6. This is the time where Isaiah began to see, he saw, had a vision of the Lord. Let me get get there. I was going to read one verse, but I got to read more. This is just such a great, great passage of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, with, uh, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, And with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Think about what Isaiah just saw. Isaiah just saw something that was so incredibly powerful. He is describing an encounter with God that would change his life forever. And he saw God Almighty. And the whole point of this message is simply this, that God Almighty who revealed himself so powerfully in Scripture, revealed himself to mankind and has revealed himself to you through salvation is still looking for something. The Bible says this, verse 6. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Stop reading right there. Isaiah was available. He was available to represent God. 
Brothers and sisters, what God is looking for is he is looking for those who are willing to represent him, but we cannot represent him unless we are sensitive enough to his voice to hear him speak. I realize life hands you all kinds of things and you begin to, the message begins to get drowned out in our hearts. And, and you know, God, look, God's got a plan for everyone in this building this morning. You need to know that from the very youngest to the very oldest, God's got something in store for every one of us. And yet most of us run after this thing and we run after that thing and we go after all kinds of things. And all of these things begin to crowd out what God wants us to have and it is sent sensitivity to his voice. Isaiah was in a place where he could recognize the voice of God. God said, who's going to go for us? And he says, here am I. Send me. You can send me. I'm available. And I realized that this morning, this, this is a great passage for those who would go on the mission field and those who would reach out to a, a, a world on the other side of the world. But this is just for missionaries. This is for you and me where we are in the, the way that we live, in the place that we live. We, God is calling to each one of us, who is going to go for me? Who am I going to send? Who is available to be what I want them to be in a world that so desperately needs to know me who is available the question is are you willing to say like Isaiah here am I send me because you know what that means from time to time it means that you will deliver a message that people won't understand they will you will deliver a message from time to time that they will fully understand and they won't like which then in turn means that somehow they might turn around and say, I don't really like you all that much. You know, most of us are trying to be liked in life. <laughs> Paul said, I would rather please God than please men. Now I realize we need to have a good name. We need to have a name that is honorable in the world and where we live and the places that we move and that we operate. But in the end, God is looking for ambassadors to represent him. You must be available with whatever talents, whatever abilities you have, whatever things you are able to offer. Be ready, be available, be equipped, and be ready to move in what God has called you to do. If God wants you to do it, I'm here to let you know God. God will equip you to do it. But be ready. Be available and say, Lord, I will stand up and I'm going to do it. To represent him, you need to be concerned with all that concerns God. You need to be concerned with all that concerns God. Most of us, I'm just going to lay it out there. Most of us operate on a political level. We operate on, well, you know what? That's not what my party thinks. That's not how I voted. So let me just do whatever it is my party thinks. Look, can I just say this? Politics in the church, in my opinion, ought not to be there. They are a stench in the nostrils of God. What ought to be there is the presence and the power and the word of the Lord being taught, being preached, and being upheld. When pulpits become places where men can stand there and position themselves for another election, they have lost what God has called them to do. This ought to be a place that is a place of prayer and a place where the word is preached and the word is taught. We need to be concerned about what God is concerned about, not about how we voted in the last election. I knew it would get sort of silent. 
but that's how I feel. I'm here to let you know. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. Paul says this. We're ambassadors for Caesar. What? Wait, no. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Do you see that? As though God were making his appeal through us. Paul said... It goes back to it. We're nothing but pipes. In the end, we're just a big pipe that God wants to use. He wants to use us. He wants to flow through us. He wants to come out of us. He wants to be in every part of our lives. And Paul says, we're we're making an appeal as though it's God appealing through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That was Paul's message. Paul came out of a religious and political system. He was a Pharisee. He said, I was one of the best. And he was. There was, there was in all honesty, there was no intellectual mind quite like Paul's in the New Testament. He was, he was a cut above almost all of the other apostles in terms of intellect. And yet he says, in the end, it's not about that. It's about what God has called me to do and what kind of a message I'm presenting. And I need to be an ambassador for Christ. And brothers and sisters, God has called you to be an ambassador for Christ. We need to represent him and say, Lord, I am available. What else is God looking for? God is looking for people to intercede. He's looking for intercessors. It goes beyond sharing your faith. And it goes, on, goes to the point of praying for those for whom you've, with whom you've shared your faith. It goes to the place of getting between somebody and God. And saying, I'm going to make a difference on their behalf. I'm going to cry out to, the, to God for them. Listen to what the Bible says. Turn to Ezekiel in the Old Testament. The book of Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. The Bible says this, Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. Here's what God is looking for. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land So I would not destroy it. Now here's the tragic thing about in Ezekiel's day what he found. But the Bible says, but I found none. God is looking for people who will be intercessors. God is looking for those who will pray for others as though you were in that situation. And I realize one of the difficult things to do is often to pray for somebody that is going through a difficulty that you personally have never been through and are not going through. And yet the whole point of intercession is, let me stand in the gap. And that's what we do on Tuesday nights. We come to pray. We come to stand in the gap for those who cannot pray, don't know how to pray, don't even think to pray. We come to stand in the gap for them. When we prayed this morning for these requests, we're standing in the gap. 
We're interceding, but it goes beyond just a little, you know, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. This is doing warfare on behalf of somebody's soul. This is saying I'm going to pray until I see an answer. I'm going to pray until I see the situation changed. I'm going to pray until I see God's hand move in this particular situation. I will call upon God no matter what. So what does God look for? Well, he looks for ordinary people. Notice what that verse says. It says, I looked for a man among them. God wasn't looking for somebody who was somehow a natural, spiritual kind of an individual. He was looking for an ordinary individual. And he would use that individual to be what God wanted them to be. God isn't interested in whether you have position whether you have prominence, he is interested in using ordinary people in the role of intercession. Why? Because the ordinary people know what it's like to go through the pains of other ordinary people. Look, God is looking for you to be an intercessor. He is looking for you to pray on behalf of somebody else. He is looking for you to cry out to God. Like Moses who stood between God and the people. He looks for one who will pray for the people that they might be healed and not destroyed. I realize today that many will, will say, well, I've got this problem, I've got this problem. Now, oftentimes you will notice that when we pray either for an individual for healing, we will often mention that they might need salvation. We don't know if they do or they don't, but maybe they do. And we will pray for that as well because the greatest need of any person's life is the salvation of their soul. We go back to the first point. God is looking for those who are lost. That is why Jesus came and so we pray for their souls. God is looking for ordinary people who will stand in the gap. You might have loved ones. You might have neighbors. You might have friends. And those loved ones and neighbors, those are the individuals who don't know Christ as Savior. In addition to sharing your faith with them, you need to pray for them. Oftentimes we feel good after we've shared our faith. There is something that happens. When you share your faith with somebody, there is, there is a part of you that all of it, you gave out. And that's a good feeling. It's always a good feeling to give, isn't it? I mean, know that. You know it's a good feeling to give. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about you give of what God has put in you. When you share your faith with somebody, you come away almost on a, walking a little bit on a cloud. Whether they listened to you, whether they heard you, whether they responded or not, you feel good about it. This is about taking it one step further. This is about taking it to the point where we begin to pray for that individual. It's not enough just to share your faith, walk away and feel good. No, it's got to be where we come and we say, Lord, now you've got to bring deliverance in this person's life. You've got to minister to them, Lord, and use me again to make that happen. What else is God looking for? The final thing is this. God is looking for people to be committed to him. Absolute dedication. I mentioned last Sunday, last Sunday we prayed for the Burnleys and just tried to bless them through prayer. It was their 20th anniversary. I mentioned the statistic and studies have been done to show this, that within the church, Marriages often don't last 
longer than five years, ten maybe. So for anybody, a Christian couple or otherwise, for them to, to make it to 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and all, it's a remarkable thing. My wife and I, we, we met somebody, I was, before I came to Chicago, I was filling in a church uh, in Boston uh, on the weekends. And we would travel to this Italian church. We, we met a couple by the name of John and Chicky. I have no idea what her real name was. <laughs> she was just Chicky to us. And I don't even remember their last name. They had, at the time we met them, they had been married 65 years. And that was in 1994, 93, 94. 65 years, imagine that. They had been married. It's an amazing, an amazing thing for that kind of a commitment to be seen in our society. But one of the things, and it's not just about in marriage, but God is looking for people who will be committed to him. He is looking for people who will commit themselves and dedicate themselves completely and totally to him. Not only to be used by him as ambassadors, but be used in any particular way within the local church. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. You can go there. Let's go there. 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. The Bible says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Not just a half-hearted commitment. There is a verse of scripture in Hosea that says that Ephraim, that is Israel, another name for Israel, Ephraim is, a, is like a, a half-turned cake. Like, an, like a, 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 a cake that has not been turned over. Probably in mind, they have a, some kind of a, a little thin cake that they would have cooked on the fire on a flat surface. And, and that, that thin cake, almost like what we would do with a pancake. You've got to flip it over for that pancake to be fully cooked. If you don't flip it, it's going to be half-baked. And sometimes in our Christian lives, our commitment to the Lord becomes half-baked. We think it's enough to somehow wear the label of Christian, and yet what God is really looking for is He wants us to be fully and completely and totally committed to Him no matter what the situation, a committed completely and totally to the Lord. Commitment to Him consists caring more about what He cares for than what we care about. Why, say, Pastor, why would you say that? You know, what we care about are valuable things, but God cares about that too. That's the one thing that we forget is that sometimes the things that mean the most to you mean a great deal to God as well. It's just we somehow think, well, there are other things that are more important to God and he doesn't care about those things. No, God cares about everything that concerns you. He knows about everything that concerns you. In fact, he cares about the things that you don't even think about. So what? Really? Yes. For instance, well, I think about it more often lately, but the very, very hairs of your head are numbered. Think about that. Now, those of you with full heads of hair, don't even think about that. I'm not concerned about that, those of us. And there are a few of you who are including the, the us. 
You know, those of us, we, you know, we kind of lost it a long time ago or started anyway. And we think about our hair a little more than other people. See, God's got it all counted. He just didn't have to work that hard to keep track of mine anymore. You see, we don't even think about some of the things in our lives that get God's attention, that God knows about, that he cares about, that he thinks about, all of these things. The Bible says, the psalmist wrote that he knows when we sit down and when we rise up. How many of you thought about the fact that when you got to your pew, you were going to sit down, you just sat down and just, I just sat down. (laughs) And then you stood up. Maybe, you know, if you're a little older, you got a little creak in the knees or a little arthritis working. You might have thought about the fact that you just had to stand up again. But for most of us, we didn't think about it. You don't think about those things. Those are the things that God thinks about. So don't think for a minute that God is not concerned with all that is con- you, are, you are concerned about. But what we need to turn it around is we need to say, Lord, like the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So let me reach higher for your ways. Let me take hold of your thoughts because, God, you've got me covered. If God's thinking about when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, trust me, he's got you covered. He's got your back. He knows exactly how to take care of you. You think you're the only one who knows? Oh, no, 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 folks. The one who put you together knows how to take care of you. The one who created you knows how to take care of you. You need to be committed to him and be concerned about all that concerns him. A heart committed or a heart commitment is not just an external commitment. We've got to be careful about this. That our commitment is not just a show. That it's not just an appearance that we put on for a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night or whenever it is that we come together, but that that commitment goes into every area and every part of our lives. We've got to pray, Lord, if I'm not committed to you in, in a way that is within in a way that is within my own life and my own heart if i'm not committed to you each and every day of the week then lord let me be committed to you help me be committed to you because the bible says that he is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him think about it you say well i feel a little weak today what's your commitment like thank you for that silence he is looking to strengthen The committed. He is looking to strengthen you. I want this to be a moment where we can search our hearts. Because today, you might say in your heart, you know what? I don't know that I am as committed to him as I should be. It could be today that you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Certainly you've heard it. You've heard it from this pulpit. You might have heard it other places. But maybe it is that you can honestly say in your heart, I, I'm, not, I'm not his. I'm not his yet. And today you need to make time to be his. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Not tomorrow, not next week. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, if you will commit your heart to him, he will watch out for all the things that you're concerned about now. He will look out for those things and he will be on those things. You need to know that God will take care of you. 
For parents, oftentimes children are the things that, that we are most concerned about. But God will take care of your children. For you who go to school, you, you think about your schooling. You do think about what it is that you've got to do. And some of the stuff that goes on in school and, and you know, the, the, the mean kids and students that you've got to encounter from time to time. Look, God knows what you're going through. God knows about it. Commit your all to him. Give your whole heart to him. And I'm here to let you know he will help you. And he will give you the courage and the power and the strength to walk through it. But the Bible says he is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Not half committed. He can't do anything with half a heart. He can only work with a heart that's fully and totally committed. Can we bow our heads?